Welcome to the wonderful world of heroes and droids, a Disney Plus fan podcast brought to you by Gruesome Magazine. I am your host, John Slattery, and with me are two of my favorite co-hosts, starting off with Chris Slattery. Chris, how you doing, bud? Fantastic. I'm super excited to talk about this episode today. How are you doing, Doc? Doing good. You You got all your quill ready? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. That was that was bizarre, but and not helpful at all. But let's keep going. All right. Also joining us is award-winning filmmaker Christopher G. Moore. Christopher, how you doing? I'm just uh, sitting over in the corner, sipping my bone broth, watching you guys talk. So Bo- bone broth. Yes, you've got. Uh, yeah, you you want some soup? Yes. Now, now <laughs> you know, move, move over, Kermit. We have our new sipping. Uh, meme for oh, we, we to, do. to do we do all right well this uh this week on the show we are going to be covering the mandalorian season one episode four called sanctuary uh this is where the mandalorian takes baby yoda to a planet and teams up with the next soldier cara dune played by uh gina carano to uh help some villagers from some raiders and and a little character study <laughs> episode uh we'll get to that in a little bit but first christopher you wanted to talk about boba fett we've been kind of you know pitching whether boba fett will show up is he you know there's been rumors that he's kind of hanging out in the shadows but there's probably a reason that isn't him that you want to explain. You want to explain a little bit about Boba Fett. Tell us, tell us, sir. Uh, well, you know what? Uh, I think watching this show has made me sort of delve more into a lot of the Star Wars information and the lore and that kind of thing. I think everybody's been questioning or been wondering is like, is Boba Fett going to show up on this show or was he one of the Mandalorians, the group that uh, came um to help the Mandalorian in episode three. Um, So there's all these questions about it. And I watched this YouTube video, which really explained a lot of the information about Boba Fett that I did not even know. Uh, Because I I think our first time we've ever seen this sort of Mandalorian type armor was when we first saw Boba Fett, when he showed up in the um, Christmas special cartoon. And then they, you know, put him in the Star Wars films and Empire Strikes Back. Uh, but, you know, as we've learned in the process of watching the show, um, Mandalorian armor is made of Beskar, which is called Mandalorian iron. And it's supposed to be the strongest metal type material that you can shoot it with laser blasts and all these things. And it's not going to dent it's, it's, you know, and that's why they use it. There's an armor, you know, um, well actually, um, Boba Fett's outfit, even though, it's in the style of the Mandalorian uh, type armor. It's not actually made from Beskar. It's actually made from, I think, Ultra Steel. Um, and, you know, one of the reasons we sort of know this is if you look at Boba Fett's helmet, it's got a dent in it where it was shot. And I think there was, I, I, there was an episode that was never, or actually a scene from one of the, I think the Clone Wars TV show that never came to fruition, but there was like a, uh, um, they had sort of a uh, a run through of what that scene was going to look like, where uh, this character um, shot Boba Fett in the helmet. Well, 
that proves that his his armor is not made from from Beskar. Uh, so Boba Fett is not Mandalorian. He's wearing Mandalorian type armor, but it's not even traditional Mandalorian armor because it's not made from that Mandalorian uh, iron uh, Beskar. So, so him being a part of this Mandalorian group wouldn't make sense because he's not. He's he's basically a poser, uh, and he's so. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, not to say he couldn't show up in this new Star Wars universe that's been created on this TV show, but it's kind of debunks that idea that he's Mandalorian. Well, I, I want to throw a couple kinks in your theories here. Mm-hmm. We've been watching the Mandalorian replace his armor. Yeah. Uh, and it certainly wasn't dent proof <laughs> because uh, the, you know, the rhino creature dented the hell out of it, banging up against him. So it, but it was in a certain style for certain, right? Yeah. I, I, is the armor the only thing that makes a Mandalorian a Mandalorian? I know that the you know Mandalorian is kind of a, it's almost a a a a religion of sorts. Not really. I mean, that's a putting a little, uh, pushing it maybe a little too far. But it's a it's a belief system, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, how much of it is it having to have the Beskar versus what's the other steel that he that Boba Ultra had? Steel Ultra Steel. Well, but the Beskar was the only, in, is they're basically the only mercenaries, the only warriors in the whole entire universe that use Beskar in their armor. So it is part of their tradition. Now, as to if they use some other metals until they can get this Beskar, I guess that's a good question. But um, it seems to me from this series that they they keep adding pieces to the armor once they get this Beskar. Right, right. Of course, uh, you know, we know Boba Fett is a clone of Jango Fett, raised. He was one of the non-conformed clones or whatever they called it. You know, he was a, a, a raw clone that he was given so he could, he wouldn't age fast, right? He aged normally. Um, so he could be raised as a son for Jango Fett uh, and then became, you know, the bounty hunter that we saw. Uh I'm going to have to dive more into what, you know, Mandalore and Mandalorian thing is. I, 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 you know, we're hearing more and more about it each episode. We'll talk about that with Sanctuary because we get a good dive into uh, at least the armor and the, the idea of, uh, you know, taking the armor off and, and whatnot. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, I'd be interested to know, you know, once hopefully we can get some people who are listening to the podcast to uh, have, other elements of knowledge it can add to it. Um, but, um, but yeah, it, uh, I think after watching that thing, it made me kind of question, you know, what we think about it, Boba Fett as being, but maybe there's some other elements that we don't know about. Yeah. yeah. And they, they haven't really made it well, or have they, have they made it uh canon that he gets out of the, that, that creature on uh, Tatooine? I feel like it was in a book, and then when Disney bought LucasArts, they kind of said, nah, that book doesn't exist. Right. Uh, well, no, there was actually a book that came out. Um, there, there's a book that came out that's considered canon that came out after the acquisition where they started looking at things to where they they were on Tatooine, and they found some discarded clothing that resembled Boba Fett's 
stuff. So I think that it's hinted at, but it's not clearly defined that he escaped. But at least they they do have that element in there that there's the possibility that he escaped. Yeah, and the and the creature is the Sarlacc. The Sarlacc, yeah. Which yeah. when I was at the Star Wars land, I didn't realize what the Sarlacc looked like underneath the sand. Mm. It's, it's got a big old. It's like a regular creature body i thought it was just a big like almost like a cthulhu type thing uh but there's actually it's just that's just the mouth part that comes out of the the sand it was very i i remember seeing that model it's very jarring to look at and it just kind of makes you wonder like how does that thing like actually move around i'm and sure why, yeah why isn't it above ground because it's like it's got <laughs> limbs and stuff i'm like it just sits, wouldn't the limbs just atrophy after a while if you're not doing anything? I don't, I really don't understand how that works, but uh, I don't know. It's, and by the way, the uh, Beskar metal is also lightsaber resistant. That sounds like Shazam. <laughs> You're lightsaber proof. Sorry, that's not even Disney. Uh, one strike against me. All right. Well, let's, let's keep up with that. Let's find out more as we keep going. Uh, um, so uh, here, after this message, we'll dive into episode four, The Sanctuary. The wonderful world of heroes and droids is brought to you by ExpressVPN. A VPN is a virtual, private network, a secure tunnel between your device and the internet. VPNs are used to protect your online traffic from snooping, interference, and censorship. <laughs> ExpressVPN is a leader in the in the. Uh, business uh they provide rock solid privacy at blazing speeds no compromises they have 160 locations across 94 countries to keep your location hitting from prying eyes uh they keep you anonymous and they keep you secure and encrypt everything which is a big deal especially in this day and age and they have 24 7 support if you would like to give ExpressVPN a shot, a try, dig into it. Go to tryexpressvpn.com slash gruesome magazine to check it out. All right, let's dive into this. Let's find out what our first impressions are of Sanctuary. This is where the Mandalorian teams up with Cara Dune. The director is Bryce Dallas Howard. The writer is John Favreau. Gina Carano uh, comes in as Cara Dune. Uh, Julia Jones plays Omira. And Isla Ferris plays Winta, Omira's daughter. Uh, let's get our first impressions. Christopher Slattery, start us off. I really liked the episode. I I thought that they did a very good job creating the the world, or literally creating the world that the episode takes place on. Um, they, they did a good job building up a threat. They did a good job, uh, showing, um, showing the, a resolution to the threat. They did a, I thought they did a fantastic job explaining more about our hero's backstory as well as the Mandalorian, um, culture. And, uh, it also shows how I love how much they, it shows, that how much our hero actually cares about the um the baby yoda also the baby yoda was super cute and the um they did a great job taking the um atst is that correct yeah atst mm-hmm. 
uh, and making it very menacing. Um, and that's probably the first time I remember the ATST actually being really menacing in any Star Wars medium. So, yeah, the red eyes helped. <laughs> the red eyes helped a lot. Oh man, uh, Christopher G. Moore, what is your first impression of Sanctuary? Well, the, this um, whole time we've been watching the show, and we knew it sort of had like a Western vibe, a sort of a, a, a Asian samurai vibe to it. And this episode is basically Seven Samurai in a nutshell. You know, you even have like farmers and uh, that kind of thing that sort of feel like something that would have been like an Asian samurai. Instead of like rice fields and stuff, we have them sort of uh, fishing for these weird blue fish thingies which they're, they're I, quill. They call them yeah, quill. yeah yeah and i love i love the opening scene where we're underwater and you're like what's going on here and you find out oh you know that they're about to sort of like uh uh bring these sort of net these sort of like uh uh whatever these these bowls or whatever to, to bring up the fish um and you have the society and stuff and and they need some warriors to help help them so they can continue living in the place that they're living. And yeah, and I thought, uh, uh, we have the Mandalorian, you know, and him having to deal with the precocious little Yoda baby. Who's not going to listen to anybody. <laughs> and he's not going to be phased by people fighting. He's going to sit there and sip his soup while the people are about to kill themselves. And then also we have this badass female character, Cara Dune, Cara Dune, who's, you know, not your traditional, a uh, female fighter by any stretch of the imagination. Um, she can body slam me any day of the week. Let me just say that much. Um, but yeah, and, and then we have this sort of like the normal type of thing, like in a lot of these, I mean, you, you, you've seen this a lot of things from, you know, Seven Samurai to the Western version of it, the Magnificent Seven to uh, the Three Amigos. You have all these things where they have to to train these people to do certain things and to fight back. Um, and who would have thunk you could take something as goofy looking as an ATST, which normally just looks like a, like a stork walking around and add some red eyes and stuff and have it like almost being like the monster in the woods. Uh, and I really love that aspect of taking these things that we traditionally see as maybe kind of goofy or off putting and turning it into something a little bit more menacing and, and uh, scary. Uh, even to the point of like, where they basically shoot it in the eye <laughs> and then the thing comes down almost like an eye patch. Uh, so there's a lot of really interesting things they did in this episode. I, I, I mean, st- to me, I, I still like the third episode a little bit better. I think when we meet this society and stuff, it, it other than other episodes, it felt more staged to me. It just, I, I just seemed kind of wonky with the little girls trying to chase after the frog. It didn't look very, very believable to me. Uh, but once we got into the Mandalorian dealing with them and then uh, him uh, meeting up with the Cara Dune character and them working together, that's when it started firing in all cylinders uh, to make for a very sort of enjoyable episode. Yeah, very enjoyable. I, I would say I liked this one better than episode three. Now, episode three is awesome because of the finale for certain uh but i i i liked the character moments in here i liked the and i liked how cara dune uh voiced a lot of those 
you know, character moments like, you know what, you, you're not going to settle down here with this <laughs> widow and make little, little babies and, you know, live your life out happy with your, your, your kid here. And, and, uh, you know, I just, and he's tempted by that. I love that. I love the fact that, you know, she, the Omara character almost got his helmet off. Um, you know, there's, there's that, that brief moment where it felt like it could have happened that he may, you know, he was considering it, you know, and all this is done in full armor. You know, we still haven't seen this character outside, you know, as anybody else has either. Right. So yet we, we know how he, it, we know how he thinks. We know we, we have a clear idea of, uh, his character. And I love that. And I think this episode does a great job. I thought it was exceptionally well-directed. I thought, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard surprised me, uh, with, with how, how well this was directed at the, I think the best part, I think Chris mentioned, uh, was the handling of the ATSD, you know, coming up when it rose up and the eyes lit up and, you know, you just, you felt it stomping through the, the woods and I don't know. I felt, um, I really liked this one. Um, more for the interactions, more for the character moments. I mean, like the baby Yoda moments in the cockpit when they're landing and he's playing with the buttons because the Mandalorian's playing with the buttons, but yet he's kind of, you know, having a little bit of fun with it too. He's a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of a, uh, a joke jerk. Yeah, a little bit of a joker with it, you know, clicking the ones and yeah, he wants to pilot it at the end. Yeah, I don't know if you saw him. He grabbed the the stick and he was joystick and was getting ready to you know, <laughs> take off. <laughs> he was like, "No, come here." Uh, and I like uh, uh I like that nobody knows what he is, right? Nobody knows. And as an audience member, that's kind of a neat feeling. To know, like, oh, man, you guys don't know what you have. And this is awesome. The characters are either catching up with the audience or audience is catching up with the characters a lot of times. And it's a lot of times it's more fun to kind of be one step ahead. And in this case, knowing what the baby Yoda is and know what he has. Um, uh, and that damn baby Yoda is so cute. Holy crap. Walking <laughs> around. Uh, they Man, they've mastered this thing. And it's uh, and playing with the kids and seeing the kids, you know, uh, you know, and then Kara doing saying, you know, that he's happy and everything, you know, it's just the whole thing worked for me on an emotional level um, in, in a really fun way. And I love this new character, Kara Dune. I want her back. <laughs> she needs to be back. I've loved characters in every episode. This is like, they're building this wonderful world. Um, you know, and, and, and the fact that she was a shock trooper for the Alliance trying to mm -hmm. restore the Republic. Right, and they mentioned Endor, and that she was mopping up for Imperial warlords, and but she ended up, you know, not being what she wanted to be. So she took early retirement. I guess she sounds like she went AWOL to me. <laughs> is what she mean? What it means? But uh, I just I like that character. She is, she is a badass. Um, I don't know. Yeah, you were you were saying. Uh, you know, this does have a magnificent seven feel to it, and he's building up a, a group of supporting characters that, if they needed to, could make a hell of a team fighting off something or you know coming in for the attack or doing a daring rescue. You know, I could I could see that happening. I could see that we're we're building up this 
you know, Mandalorian universe for this show. That's, um, that's really wonderful and rich. And, uh, I don't know. I, I, I really dug this episode. It might be my favorite. It would be interesting to see if he, if towards the end he had to gather up like Cardoon and IG 11 and all these different people that he's met along the way to sort of like do the ultimate magnificent seven, uh, you know, seven samurai type thing. Although one thing I do, I hate being logical, but if Biscar armor is like that hard of a substance, I'm not sure if you're going to be able to punch somebody in the Beskar helmet and be okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I think that was my only issue. I mean, I thought when she's like slam, body slamming, doing those type of things, you know, using some of her sort of uh, uh, moves. Because uh, I, I think the great, I think also the great thing is like most of the time when you see women in this type, in these any of these type of characters, are usually dainty type women, and she's got some. She's a muscular woman that's like, yeah, that's the kind of woman that I want to see, but. I think that's the only thing. I think if you're having to fist fight somebody who's in Beskar armor, you have to figure out some different ways to fight them. Because punching them in the armor, punching them in the helmet, I think you would just break your hand. But maybe uh, I'm just taking it too hard. You might be because I, you know, she slams him face first into the ground where his feet are literally in the air. <laughs> she like- literally <laughs> almost kills him, and he's like, he's having to use like, oh, I got to use my flamethrower because <laughs> my fighting skills aren't as good, you know. And 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 literally, it comes to a standstill where he, you know she's toe to toe with him almost to the point of being you know much better if he didn't have all that armor and tricks up his sleeve she's just fighting without anything other than her hands so she's badass i would love to just see a series just based on her character you know i'm i'm i would like to see that too i hope that she has a bigger presence in the future i hope it's not a one-off i i think they're well I know we haven't heard from Chris Slattery. Chris, you've got to tell us what you thought of Cara Dune. I she was such a badass. She was great. Uh, everything that you guys have been saying, I agree with completely. She's probably one of the best supporting characters we've gotten in this series. Um, one of the best backgrounds um, explained um, explained to us, and just someone that you want to root for, and someone that complements our uh, the our main per, uh, Mandalorian character very well. And uh, um, the resourcefulness that she showed at the end of, at the end when she, they were fighting off the the uh, other race and the uh, AT, uh, ATSD, um, it's just it was just she's. I hope she comes back. I really do. Well, she's also not the only strong female character in this, and I know that you know some people have been complaining about the first couple episodes that you know there wasn't a strong female presence. We basically had one maybe two characters you know the the armor maker right uh but omara omara i should say uh the uh the one uh, i guess the widow that we mentioned earlier with with her daughter winta uh she's the only one who knows how to fire a gun and um and she's pretty badass as well uh, i just delicious. like to point out like one of the best one of the two best uh um like funny scenes uh like 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 laughing laugh out loud moments in this uh in this um episode was when they were doing the training montage 
and you could see like all of the other people in the village like shooting and they were like kind of hitting the targets and then she just sits there and you know bullseye 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 and you could tell our the mandalorian character was just like had that even without the helmet off you could tell he had like that a jaw drop like oh my god like moment like look on his face underneath that helmet well he gave her the nod right yeah, <laughs> uh, but no, I I liked her a lot too, and I don't know. Even I thought there was some chemistry between them. Is that is that? Am I reaching? I don't think so. They, you thought uh, there was chemistry too, right? Mm-hmm. There was uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm. I can't really explain like how but they just they were they worked so well together on the script on uh on the screen i mean i think i think one of the biggest connections is that she's one of the few people that actually kind of put him in his place because that one part where her daughter came to go taking uh the yoda baby out side and he's like what and she's like he'll be fine what and just kept like shooting it down before he could even finish his sentence so they're already they're already sort of like you know arguing like a couple <laughs> you know they're already sort of she's already sort of know what he's going to say and shoots him down and uh and you could i don't know and i think because if we don't really know much about her background because she knows how to shoot a pistol we don't know anything about her last husband Maybe you know, maybe she has that kind of background that would relate to to him. But yeah, you definitely see that 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 there is something there. Uh, I don't know if it's one of those things where maybe she hasn't seen a real man in a while and she's <laughs> latching on to the first hot dude, you know, even you know that's like the big badass dude that comes in. Uh, but I think another element, you know, we talk about like the strong female characters. The the Mandalorian through this whole thing, he's always one that had to sort of jump in and do different things. Cara Dune, she's like, I'm going to jump into that water and shoot this ATST, you know? So she's do, she's basically doing the, the character that most men would be doing in these type of scenarios. And I think that's the great thing is like, and 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 it's not a character that we're sort of like having to worry about some kind of romantic relationship. She's just a, she's just like a, a mercenary just like him, you know? Uh, so I think that's, that's kind of, that was a cool aspect of that. And I like the little bar thing that they walk into. It's not really a bar. It's more of a, I guess, an outpost where he walks in to get the, the soup for Yoda baby and sees Cara Dune for the first time. And we get that shot of the cat, the big ass. The Cheshire. Cat. Cheshire yeah. Cat. And that was from, uh, one of the cartoons as well. Right. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that, that felt like a. It felt like the TGI Fridays of, <laughs> of the Star Wars universe. Because I, I don't know. Maybe I was. I felt kind of off because I felt like the waitress felt like a normal waitress from like a normal. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm not the only. Maybe I'm the only person that thought that. She, I just felt like they took a normal waitress from a normal chain restaurant and put her in the Star Wars universe, and it felt kind of off-putting to me. I don't. Maybe I'm weird about it, but. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I think that was kind of an interesting thing where, because I think most of the time we see them and they're going to like these dusty bars or these weird things. And this felt like a, just like a normal restaurant, you know, with shish kebabs and all these different things. It did, it did, right? Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, but in a fun way. I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Now, uh, the Mandalorian's plan is to leave Baby Yoda here uh, in the safe arms of this tribe while he goes out and uh, resumes his life, I guess. Or, but a another bounty hunter shows up. The bounty hunter, we find out, is not looking for the Mandalorian, but is still looking for Baby Yoda. And of course, that means leaving him anywhere unattended is not going to be a good thing. Do we, do we like that? Uh, does that, I mean, I guess it does. I mean, well, okay. So let's stop. Was anybody afraid they were actually going to shoot baby Yoda in the head there for a second? Oh, they're not going to shoot. <laughs> I, I wasn't worried at all. The, the people would riot if they, they shot baby. They Yoda. Would. That's not going to happen. You're not going to shoot. Yeah. Definitely not on Disney plus. I mean, sure. They have parents that die. And your Disney animated things, but we're not going to shoot a little baby Yoda. Um, although I'm kind of, I, I don't know. It, it, I think my only concern is that wouldn't the Mandalorian known that there's some kind of tracking device on the baby, considering he used a fob to find him to begin with. So why wouldn't he think other people would be able to track that? Well, in all fairness, he didn't see the fobs go off when, uh, when he took the baby Yoda back in episode three, because that happened at the bar before they all left. Yeah, uh, but he the, used a similar tracking device to track him, though. So why wouldn't you think other people would have that considered so other people going after him? Right. So did IG-11, right? Yeah. So I don't I, I think that's my only thing is like you think him thinking, oh, he'll be safe here. Uh, and then previously there was there. He should have known there's. You know, if, if they're after him, they're probably gonna. The best way to do that is to track, mm-hmm. use the tracking devices again. So I don't know. That was my only thing. I I think it would, should have been a little bit smarter about understanding that they'd find a way to to track it. And I, I I mean, I'd like to know like what are they tracking? I yeah, DNA. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, it's Star Wars, so you could probably <laughs> create some kind of like, unless it tracks midichlorians or someone. I don't know. Oh, now stop. <laughs> I'd rather have been trekking ear mites than media glory. <laughs> uh, I don't know, but I, I like the idea that, you know, they're keeping these two together. Cause I separating them, I think would have been a bad move too. Uh, but, uh, I I don't know. The Mandalorian seems like he needs help. <laughs> he needs somebody with him. He's had help every episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, he's, he definitely can't do everything himself. That's for sure. And I don't know. I kind of like that flaw. I mean, it's not really a flaw because he's just making the most of his surroundings, I guess, and the people he meets. But I, I like that, you know, he's he's not going he can't just go in there and win it on his own. You know, he ha- he has to plan and make get help and it makes him very realistic. Yeah, it makes him more. Yeah, it makes him less of a superhero. Right. Mm-hmm. But, you, you know, dangerously could. I mean, with that armor, definitely could. What, what else can we say about this episode? <laughs> I, loved, uh, I loved the scene where Baby Yoda puts the frog in his mouth and all the kids go, ew, and he spits <laughs> it back out. I did like that as well. <laughs> he realized it because they didn't go ooh a lot first time, right? Like, oh, okay. He's got to eat almonds now. Then they feed him an almond in the. Well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> He's going to have like a ship full of Campbell's soup. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> All right. Well, let's go. Is that going to be your favorite scene there, Chris? Is that your favorite scene when he ate the uh, frog? Uh, probably, probably the my favorite baby Yoda moment. Okay. Um, but not my favorite scene in well, the. Uh, well, share your favorite scene for Sanctuary. Uh, pro- my favorite scene was when they were going into the camp and uh, um, Mandalorian and uh, Cara Dune were going into the camp and they had to uh, plant the bomb and they were in the very tense scene where they were fighting all of these uh, it, the, these alien race creatures. I, I don't know what they actually were. Um, if one of you guys knows, please uh, chime in, but when they were fighting them and the and the bomb was just beeping and you could tell that it was just about to blow up as they were trying to get escape that was just that was a great action moment in my in my uh mind pretty sweet pretty sweet christopher g moore what was your favorite scene in sanctuary uh it it has to be where the Mandalorians fight in Cara Dune and then they just end up at a, at a standstill with the guns at each other. And then baby Yetta just shows up, just sipping his soup, just watching, <laughs> watching these two people fight. Like it's nothing. And as that moment, just, just hearing his little slurp. <laughs> I laughed so hard. That was so freaking funny. Uh, and, uh, which is funny because it's like one minute that the one it's it's funny how like the Yodu baby there's moments where he just acts like a little precocious jerky kid you know or, or he's just he just seems like he's being a jerk on purpose and it's that's almost like this underlying element of that but then the next moment he's almost like an adult like it's like are you kids end up stop fighting now <laughs> no, you know so I don't know I did, at that moment. You know, I know that's probably been the big moment everybody's doing now, and and I almost want to cosplay that at a at a convention is uh, soup sipping, baby Yoda. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think that that moment, that just the on top of the badassness of Cara Dune character, just beating the crap out of of uh, the Mandalorian and just showing how badass a character is. She doesn't need weapons; her weapons are her hands. Um, so yeah, I think like that moment, just, just with that little great punchline at the end with baby Yoda, just sipping his soup, enjoying the, you know, the, 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 uh, the melee going on. <laughs> yeah. It's meme worthy, isn't it? <laughs> Very meme worthy. Uh, I like the moment when the ATST rose up out of the woods and you see the lights turn on and you, I don't know. I, I, Chris, you, you put it best, you know, you, it felt more intimidating than it ever has before. Right. And I just really love that they, they crafted that so well. And when it comes out of the woods, you know, it just, uh, I liked it. I liked that a lot. The, there's a lot of baby Yoda moments. I like too. just watching him walk. What a great creature they they've created. This is fantastic. Yeah. I think, I think just taking those elements that we've seen in other movies and other projects and just seeing them put a different spin on it, you know, cause I think, if you had these marauders or whatever and they got their hands on something, then they're going to make it their own and they're, and they're probably going to make it to where it's going to seem spooky to these sort of like normal farmers that may not know a lot of technology or a lot of different things. And so you almost create that sort of like mythological type thing 
And, yeah. uh, and I love how they went about doing that. Yeah, they did have a couple droids, though, helping them out. That's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. All right. Uh, December 6th is Chapter 5. The Mandalorian helps a rookie bounty hunter who is in over his head. Hmm. That's interesting. I have no idea what that's going to be about. Other than what that literally says. Well, he seems to be <laughs> in over his head about every episode. So. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so they'll be in over their head together. All right. All right, if you would like to give us some feedback, we'd love to hear from you. We have a website now. It's called heroesanddroids.com. So you can reach us at feedback at heroesanddroids.com. And Chris, you have a couple of feedback. Now, this is from, uh, I would imagine, Facebook or some social media? Yeah, I think I posted when we were recording the last episode, I posted the picture of, you know, from my uh, computer screen. And I said, if anybody has any feedback or what they thought about episode three uh, posted below. And I had two people that did that. Um, uh, Chris Garrison posted, love this episode. The best so far. The writing was so on point. When I questioned the use of the flamethrower, they would answer it a couple of minutes later. Can't wait to see the next episode. And then Paul Condon uh, said, I think the whole concept of the Mandalorian's family dynamic was freaking amazing. It showed honor and valor in the deepest way possible. All willing to fight for one was awesome. I agree with both Chris and Paul on this. Yes. So hopefully more people, you know, if you see these episodes, let us know what you think, uh, your thoughts. If there's some Star Wars knowledge we're missing or you want to throw our way, do that too. If if we're wrong about something, we'll admit to it. Just let us know. Um, but uh, I, I think... I think we can all agree. I think most of the Star Wars fans out there are a big, big fan of this series so far. And so I, we just want to hear your feedback, what you think about it. Definitely. I, I do have a correction from last episode. I mentioned that there were nine episodes, but there are only eight. So we have eight episodes this season, which will end right around the end of the year. Ooh. All right. Uh, Chris and Christopher, I want to thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you so much for having us. This is always a blast talking about this amazing show with you guys. I know, I know. Just, uh, I can't wait to see the next one. That's like having to wait every week is like, ugh, nails on a chalkboard. It's like, please get here so soon. Uh, <laughs> it is. It's, I, I don't know. I like that feeling. You know, it's, I feel like I'm going to watch all these, you know, week by week, like we're doing, and then I might binge it all over the holidays and watch it all at one time. Because it feels like it would really play well one right after another. Yeah, but I mean, I watched this. I watched this recent episode twice, and it still it was great both times. So I think the the entertainment value and just these regular episodes in general, I think you're going to have a lot of rewatchability. All right. Well, Chris, Christopher, let's say good night. Good night. Good night. 